The first point I want to make this morning is this. We can have the ability to see clearly, and that's essential, but it does not make us complete. We got to have the lenses to see, and we got to begin to see clearly. We got to begin to see people through the eyes of the Father. We got to begin to call out the solutions and not the symptoms. Amen? When we see a crippled person, we got to call him healed in the name of Jesus, not say, oh, poor, bless his heart, he's in the wheelchair. We, we, we got to begin to call out the solution or the, yeah, the, the solutions and not the symptoms in what we look at. But just being able to see that somebody needs a touch from God is awesome, but it's not complete. There's got to be more to us just recognizing the symptoms and recognizing the problems and more to it than us just calling out the solutions. Because Jesus goes on to say this in John 5, 19. It says, Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do, it didn't say he can only see, it says he can only do what he sees the Father doing. So when he saw the Father, that means it was his call to action to go do. A lot of us see the Father say, wow, I saw what God saw. So, it's not complete. The only reason Jesus saw is because that was his, his, his call to go do. He said, I can only do what I see my father doing because whatever the father does, that's what the son does also. And some of y'all need to write that on your mirror. Some of y'all need to hang that on the refrigerator and make this a reminder. Whatever I see the father doing, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's not I see the father doing this and I praise him for his miracles. No, if I see the father doing it, that's my call to action. I must be doing it. It's a mandate. I mean, this is just as powerful as Matthew chapter 28 in the Great Commission. What Jesus saw his father doing, that was his call to go do. Now that Acts chapter 2 happened 2,000 years ago, and the power of the Holy Spirit is here, and the fire of God is here, is what we need. That is our equipping, and God saying, I've empowered you. Now that you see what I see, go do what I'm doing. And so he says, and yes, he will show them even greater things than these. Come on now. So that you will be amazed. God wants to do some amazing of people. Did you catch that? He wants to show us greater things and we do greater things. So it amazes the people. God wants to show himself as still the miracle working God. I'm more convinced than that now than I've ever been in my whole life. And I believed it all my life. And he wants to amaze people in the year 2017. In the midst of all the rioting going on around the nation right now, God says, I want to show up in miraculous form and amaze people where black people and white people and gay people and straight people and and, and ugly people and silly people and all these other people can come together in one place in unity under one cause, the name of Jesus, and perform amazing miracles. Come on now. And set captives free. Ooh, come on now. It doesn't matter what the symptom is. We got to start calling out the solution. And the solution is not to make everybody believe like you. The solution is to turn people to Jesus. Turn them to the heart of the Father. And the solution for us is putting on the glasses and seeing people the way the Father sees them. And watch how God begins to operate in our life. He had the ability to see uh, um, the, the amazing things about people. But ability to see is worthless unless you have the availability to do. Amen. If we just have the ability to see, it's worthless unless we have the availability to do. 
See, a lot of us, we see a problem. Man, I wish I could do something about it. If you saw it, it's your call to do. And we miss tons of opportunities to be the church trying to go to church. And in this life, if we have the ability to see, it is absolutely worthless unless we say, God, here's my heart. It's available to go do. And that means throwing your schedule out the window sometimes. It does mean stopping for the one. And that one is going to be your most inconvenient time in the most inconvenient place. Are you going to stop for the one? Our ability to see is worthless unless we have a heart that says, I I give you the availability to do. Because if we're still in control of all of us, even though we can see what the Father sees, it means we're God, not him. We must begin to operate in a different mindset, a different thinking. Doing what the Father does is not something we do to prove our faith. It is a product of our faith. Doing what the Father does is not to go out there and prove that we're great, anointed, spirit-filled Christians that do miracle signs and wonders. Amen. That is not the purpose of it. We do not get all this amazing stuff to go do to prove our faith. God gives us all these great assignments and miracles to go do as a product of our faith. See, a lot of people, I see you going around trying to prove your faith all the time. It's like, oh, if I'm a faithful person, if I lay my hand on Laura and she's healed, I'll prove that I got faith. It's not about proving your faith. It's about when you lay your hands on sick people and she recovers and she gets well. Oh, that's a product of faith. And so many people are trying to prove their faith day in and day out by living through good works, by doing good deeds. It's not about proving anything. Jesus already proved it all on the cross of Calvary. It's a product of what Jesus Christ has already done and bled and died and paid for and rose again from the dead for us to walk in at a high level. I don't want a church going out trying to prove anything. I want you to go out and live as a product of what you've already been proven. He's already proved it to you. And I want you to go out and live as a product of that. If you're born again and you're spirit-filled and you love Jesus with all your heart, you don't have to go prove it. It should be a natural product that when you see somebody hurting, you stop. And you pray. And not just say, oh, I'll be praying for you, sister, and walk on. No. We must begin to live out the product of our faith. An apple tree doesn't have to strain to produce apples. It's what he naturally does. A believer should not have to strain to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It should be a natural fruit of who we are as a spirit-filled believer. We shouldn't have to strain and say, oh, i got to have self-control right now. No, it should be a product. It should be easy to say no to things that, that, that contradict what Jesus said don't do. And so we must be start living as a product of our faith, not living trying to prove our faith. And I see so many people always out trying trying to prove something. The best way to prove something is to shut up and do it. I don't want you telling me how great you are. Prove it. Show me your product. Don't tell me how great of a product you can sell if you're in sales. Show me the product and let it be the proof itself. Most salespeople miss a ton of sales because they talk too much. Let the people have the product. Most Christians mess stuff up because we talk too much. Let people have the product. 
I'm not getting ahead of myself, even though I want to. I'm going to go back. Faith is not human intelligence or intellect. Faith is not even the product of our labors. Faith is the result of having his nature influence my nature. Faith is this result. This is where everybody makes a big deal out of faith. And faith isn't, isn't that hard to comprehend. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you've got to start reading your Bible. Quit listening to Joel preach and start reading your dadgum Bible. I'm telling you, open up the word of God. And I'm going to encourage you, some of y'all get off your dadgum apps and iPhones and written, open a written word of God that you can touch and underline and highlight and just break open the bread of life. Every single morning, man, I, I love it. I, I read the Sermon on the Mount every day that I wake up throughout this year. And then I also read uh, some other chapters in the Gospels. But I love this written word of God like this, that I can see it, I can touch it, I can look at it, I can underline it, I can, I can hold it dear to my heart. It's with me everywhere. I go if I got that red backpack on my back this is with me and what we got to realize about faith is it's not so complex it is this simple faith is the result of letting the nature of the father influence or change my culture because influence means to change culture it's about letting the nature of the father change my culture to look like his culture He has such a profound impact on the way I do things that his influence changes the way I live. That's what faith is. When Jesus does it and when I read about Jesus doing it, and and I'm just telling you, some of y'all just need to camp out in Mark chapter 5 for like five weeks. I mean, Mark chapter 5 rocks. In that chapter, Jesus healed and saved every, I mean, all kinds of crazy people. I mean, it starts out, he pulls up in a boat and gets out, and a crazy man runs out of the cemetery naked and acting a fool because he's demon-possessed, and and Jesus heals him, and the guy says, I want to go with you, and he says, no, just go tell people what I did. And then he goes on, and then you have the, he gets off the boat back on the other side of the lake, and he heals the woman with the issue of blood. He heals Jairus' daughter. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you, that chapter is awesome. But then in chapter 6, he comes back across the lake where the crazy dude that was naked was. And he gets off the boat and thousands come to Jesus. See, the man who got healed didn't try to prove his faith. He walked out of the cemetery in his right mind, fully clothed, as the Bible says, as a product, not a sales pitch. Come on, man. I mean, woo, come on. Man, we need to be a product, not a sales pitch. I hope somebody's jotting all these down because, man, he's rolling today. I need, to, I need to listen to this when I get done. Because of his influence on my personal culture, I should strive for greater things, and you should strive for more knowledge. And I said faith is not the product of intellect, but as your faith grows, you're going to want to study and get a hunger more for the word of God. Uh, okay, and so uh, I'm not discrediting those things, but I'm telling you, the, the, nat- the, the nat- as a born-again person, the natural order is now the supernatural order. The spiritual order should be our natural order. So the natural order for us should be we receive it by grace through faith, and then as we grow in our faith, we understand how it intellectually is applied. A lot of us want to intellectually get it and then figure out how to apply our faith to it. No, you walk in it by faith, and then you begin to explain it through intellect. Well, we're faith creatures first. We're spirit beings first, not intellectual beings first. And we must begin to walk according to these standards 
as we live out our life. There are two cultures in this world that you're always going to be dealing with. His culture and your culture. His culture and Joel's culture. I'm in constant dealings with this on a day-to-day basis. If you're not always in constant dealing with his culture trying to infringe on your culture, you need to get back to, a, to, to somewhere where you can get his culture again. Because it isn't a negative thing. It should be a positive thing that he's always trying to influence my personal culture. So much so that I didn't lose it one time at ECLC this week dropping my kids off. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. I did get some videos of some of y'all's frustrations. The same thing, though. Look, pastor, I know what you're talking about. Just videoing while you're driving. I hope you'd already dropped your kids off. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And watch what God begins to do. When two cultures collide, there is a clash on some level. Some clashes are subtle, while some clashes become epic. Some clashes are subtle. When his influence, culture influences yours, they're subtle. Some clashes are epic, though. And I'm praying you have a little of both. I'm praying there's some epic areas that he tries to collide his culture in with your culture. And as I get into the, the, the title of the message this morning, Thunder and Lightning... Lightning is an electric current within a thundercloud and many small bits of ice or frozen raindrops bump into each other and they move around in the air and all those collisions create an electric charge and after a while the whole cloud fills up with these electric charges. So you got a whole cloud, thundercloud, filled up with electric charges because frozen raindrops keep bumping into each other and and every time they do it and and a charge happens. Did you see the masses up here bumping into each other? I believe God was charging something. I believe when everybody came up and said, we want more, God. We want an outpouring of your spirit, God. I knew my message, and I was like, y'all are playing this out good. And y'all were up here, and y'all were just laying hands on each other. And every time you touched something, the atmosphere got charged. And every time you laid your hand on somebody, the atmosphere began to charge, and somebody got healed. But listen, we haven't seen the, the, the fullness of what he's trying to unleash yet. And I believe we will before this morning's done, even before this service is done. And so you have all these charges, and then how lightning, how it strikes the ground. All these charges are built up in the sky, but there's also positive charges coming up from the ground. And the tallest item that's positively charged, when, when everything hits just right and there's enough electrical charges here, opposites attract where the charge here connects to that down here, and bam, it comes out of the sky and hits something. And now... As we're watching this, we hear all these crazy things. And then you have, when lightning strikes, a few seconds later, sometimes it's closer than others, you see lightning strikes, and then a few seconds later, you hear what? You hear the thunder. You hear the thunder. And in that, thunder is the sound caused by lightning. Depending on the distance or nature of the lightning, thunder can range from a sharp sound to a loud cracking sound to a long, low rumble. The sudden increase in pressure and temperature from the lightning produces a rapid expansion in the air surrounding it within the lightning bolt. In turn, this air expansion causes a great sonic shockwave to go forth, and two things collide. Remember I said when cultures collide, there should be an epic collision sometimes. Sometimes they're subtle. Thunders are the same thing. When lightning is released, all the air around is heated up so much it causes a shockwave. And And you hear the thunder. And as Christians, I wonder this because we call it thunder and lightning. But if thunder is produced by lightning, shouldn't it be called lightning and thunder? 
And the problem flows over into our spiritual walk like this. Because a lot of us like the thunder. We like making the noise. We like telling people about the problems. We like telling and talking and shouting and creating a ruckus with no power. And so we as Christians, we live a thunder and maybe a lightning life. But more than that, we want to be heard and not really seen. And it's time that we do a change in our life that we say, Father, I would rather be seen. And then if people hear about it later, I'm good with that. Thunder and lightning must be flipped around in our life. Now listen, lightning can be seen as much as 100 miles from where we're at, depending on the height of the bolt and the clarity of the elevation in the air. Thunder, in comparison, has a much shorter range of direction. It's usually only 15 miles. The problem is, as the church and many believers, we want to be heard, but Jesus said, I want you to be seen. Because what they can see, they can see from 100 miles away, they can only hear from about a, a range of 15 miles. See, we must begin to apply this in our life, that we want to have lightning-type faith, not thunder theology. We must want lightning-type faith, not just thunder theology. And a lot of us are more happy with thunder theology because we can throw our judgmental attitudes off on everyone we come in contact with, thinking it's something powerful. But Jesus said, I would rather you be seen with power rather than heard with theology. And it is time as the church that we rise up where we are seen with power. Your lifestyle should resemble something such as lightning, not thunder. I don't know about you, but I want to be lightning everywhere I go. Now, some of y'all are lightning rods in a bad way. And you need to change it. But we need to be a lightning rod like Jesus was. Where people begin to say, what in the world is going on out there at the Way Bible Church? We hear about it. It's because others have seen the power of it in-house. But I, I, I don't want to keep the power in the house. The power's for a 20-mile radius. The power's for impact, impacting a four-state area. The power is for igniting nations. And so a lightning lifestyle will demonstrate the power of God, not thunder. A lightning lifestyle will demonstrate the power of God. Thunder will not. We must begin to have a lifestyle that resembles lightning. And a lightning lifestyle has an effect on things, on anything it touches. Thunder does not. Lightning affects everything it touches. Thunder has no effect on anything. And people are more scared of the thunder than they are the lightning. Guys, can we just pull up all the house lights? And so we must begin to have this lifestyle that resembles the lightning of God, not just a lifestyle that is thunderous with issues that people face. I don't want to be a church that just says, I'm praying for you. I want to be a church that calls out the solution, not the symptom. I don't want to be a church that when, if Nancy's struggling, I just say, hey, sister, I'm praying for you. I want to be a church that surrounds her and the power of God and lightning comes out. I don't want to be a church that says, hey, we're praying for you and we send you off to Moscow. I want to be a church that we say, no, we're not sending him. We're not letting him go. We're sending him out with power and lightning's going to come out of his hands when he touches the Kremlin. Come on. Amen. And I'm even praying for the president over there to get saved. Come on now. Thank you, Jesus. Well, why not? 
Well, well pastor, that's kind of a big, a big dream. That's kind of, who cares? Somebody's got to pray for Vladimir Putin to get saved. Why can't we? I mean, why not? What you waiting for? The next generation? Not me. Not in this day. Not in this time. If we're going to see big things happen, we're going to start praying some big prayers. And we're going to watch God transform areas that we're in. And now this is where it gets good. John the Baptist said this, I will baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now that term fire in the Greek, it's the real translation is not fire. The real translation of that is I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with lightning. So as I said earlier, we like to read this, we like to read the scripture and says, Jesus says, we are the light of the world and we get this image. You can't see this from a hundred miles away. You can't see this very far. You can't see much of this. When Jesus declared you are the light of the world, he wasn't telling us we're just a candle that's going to be in a house. When he said you are the light of the world, I'm endowing you with so much power, it's going to look like lightning when you touch something. So if we have a faith and we call it thunder and lightning, we should stop what we're doing because if our theology precedes our faith, we've got it messed up a lot like the Pharisees. But when our faith starts leading our theology, we'll have the power that comes down from heaven as lightning and then we'll be able to hear and theologically back it up like thunder. I'm not discrediting thunder, but I'm saying we've got to get back to the power of lightning. Thunder's amazing. And it's so funny, every time I'm preaching this message to myself, I only think of the movie Cars. You know, you got Lightning McQueen and the other dude talks about thunder. Yeah, you got to have little kids, man, to get this. And in this time, I believe the world will not be changed by thunderous theology. Because everybody has their own thunderous theology. I do believe this with all my heart. That the world will be changed by lightning faith. Faith that demonstrates the power of God. So much so that the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1-4. through 4, And he says, And when I came to you, I did not come to you proclaiming the testimony of God in lofty speech or wisdom, or like Joel would say, thunderous theology. For I decided to know, to know nothing among you except this. Jesus Christ himself was crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fearing and much trembling, and in my speech and in my message were not with implausible words of wisdom, but I came to you in a demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God like lightning, as Joel would say, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It didn't say the theology of God. It said it would rest in the power of God. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives and dwells in us, and it's time for the world to see the power of God again. You, you know what? I'm truly convinced of this, and since time's already jacked up and blown out of the water, I'm just going to say it anyway. You know what I'm firmly convinced of? Why men don't like coming to church? Because they don't see power. I'm firmly convinced men do not like coming to church because it's viewed as weak and there is no power. When you listen to a man talk, and he's going to buy a boat, what type of engine does he gravitate to? 
Derek, tell me on this, the big one, the one with power. It's not the one over here that, oh, it'll get them by and it's safe for the kids. And I, we're not worried about kids' safety. We're worried about hooking the kid up behind the boat and see how far we can throw him when we sling him. Men are attracted to power, negative and positively. They're attracted to power. When men go to buy a truck, it is not, they ain't looking at a Kia. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a Kia, but men ain't worried about getting from point A to point B safely. They're worried about how much mud they get to drive through on the way to from point A to point B. And you're not going to get there driving through mud in a Kia. Nothing wrong with a Kia. Some of y'all men need to get a Kia so you quit destroying your power of your truck. But I am fully convinced that men are fed up with church because they hear a preacher get up and they preach a sermon about how inadequate they are and how horrible they are and how they need to change and have a different lifestyle when he himself never demonstrates the power of that lifestyle. We must, as men, demonstrate the power of a godly lifestyle. We must demonstrate that power. And it must be done by men in the house of God in a world that doesn't believe in the house of God any longer. We're not going to change this 20-mile radius by changing a broke system. We're going to change it by changing broke people. And men are the brokenest of the broke, but they're the quickest to turn when they are attracted to power. So men, I'm asking you to start praying for the Spirit of God to move, not in theological ways, but in a way of power. So we can reach other men in power. And we can lay our hands on other men in power. And watch the kingdom of God go forth in power. Now the question is, last week was what do you see? The question today is this, what you going to do? What you going to do? You can sit here and say, wow, it's an inspirational message and go out there and act just like the idiot that you came in as. Or you can say, I'm done living like this. I'm done trying to talk with theological thunder with no power of lightning to back it up. I will begin to live a powerful lifestyle of lightning. I'll figure out how to theologically back it up. Listen, you don't got to explain God. He's big enough God to explain himself. If Hunter was up here crippled with a broke leg, I'm not going to theologically explain to you how God's going to heal his leg. But if I lay my hands on his leg and it's immediately made whole and he walks and starts running back and forth across the front and say, you don't need a theological explanation for that. He once was broke and now he's not broke no more. I don't got to explain to you where the power came from. All I got to say is that was God. And you're going to say, I want to worship that God. And all the men in the house say, I'll go to that church. Because we're going to see the power of God move. We're going to see men begin to walk in power like never before. Oh, and ladies, don't, don't think I'm leaving you out. Because <laughs> get ready. As the man changes, it's going to go to you and your babies and your grandbabies and some of you, your great-grandbabies. 
you got to pray for that man to turn. Now, the question is, what you going to do? you got the opportunity to say, I want in on some of this. And like I said earlier, I don't know what this is going to look like. Mitch, y'all come up and start praying. And ministers, y'all come and start praying. I don't know what it's going to look like. We may have 500 people walk up to the front of this stage in the power of God. I don't know. But I'm not going to hold back from what God wants to do in the lives of people. This is what I know is going to happen. I know in a minute you're going to have a chance to do something. You're going to have the chance to walk up here and pray on your own. You're going to have a chance to walk up here and pray with one of us. You're going to have the chance to do something. And what I want you to do with that is do what you see the Father doing. Don't do what you think you need to do. I come to the altar every week, Pastor, nothing changes. Probably you don't need to come to the altar. Probably you need to turn around your seat and kneel down and cry out to God. The altar is not what saves. Jesus saves. The altar is not a place of power. It's a place of connection. The altar is no different than an outlet in a wall. You plug something into it. Listen, we're not the place of power. We're a place of connection. So much so that the Bible says we're two or three agree upon it as touching. It's going to be done. So there's power when a believer starts, boom, touch. Remember the lightning, the particles bumping up against each other? Touch, power. Get a bunch of us here desiring the power and touching. Ain't no telling what's going to happen. Some of you, you want the anointing of going to do. Which means you want boldness to, to when you see an issue, confront it's the wrong word. When you see an issue, minister the love of the Father to the issue. Because some of y'all just want to confront a bunch of junk and you need to quit being... Um, as Jeff brought to my attention this week, like the sons of thunder that are known for the sons of thunder because they argued all the time. They weren't the th- sons of lightning. They're called sons of thunder because they argued all the time. Y'all need to quit your arguing. Amen. Don't argue with somebody who doesn't believe. Yeah. Lay your hands on them, show them the power. Amen. Lay your hands on people. Show them the power. What are we so afraid of? You're not trying to prove your faith. Remember? When you lay your hands on somebody, it's a product of your faith. I'm not trying to prove to you God's real by getting you healed. I'm trying to lay my hands on you to show you God heals and it's a product of faith. So some of you need to get born again today. Receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. All of us need to get an anointing of dew. And if you need an anointing of boldness today, I just want to do this a, a little bit different. Um, Derek, can you and Damon just kind of go over there on that side of the communion table? And Cole, can you and Hunter just kind of stand on that side of the baptistry over there? All of us in the middle are just going to be here for you to pray to and go to. Ronnie and Hope are going to lead you in communion. If you want a spirit of boldness to come upon your life, I want you to go to those four, those four men that we got in the corners and ask God for boldness. And when they lay your hands on you, I'm believing for lightning. Not a lightning that kills, a lightning that empowers. That you are shown the power of God.